Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It is September 7th, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes, uh, and once again, our cross-platform conversation. I'm joined uh, today by Eliana Johnson, the White House correspondent for Politico. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you. Well, you know, once again, we have a Friday morning where I'm tempted to say, wow, what a crazy week. But I can't remember the last time that it, we didn't have a crazy week in in Washington or American politics. And this this week was no exception. One of the distinct pleasures of covering the Trump White House. <laughs> OK, well, let's uh, I want to talk about uh, really Giuliani's uh, confusing signals about whether or not the the White House is, is whether the president is going to even answer written questions from the special prosecutor. Um, we want to talk about the Kavanaugh hearings a little bit. But, of course, we have to talk about uh, the Woodward book and also this anonymous anti-Trump screed in The New York Times. Um, you and one of your colleagues had a very interesting take on all of this. It will make him crazy. Anonymous anti-Trump screed backfires. How, how, what are people saying about um, the, the, the fallout from this, uh, this piece in The New York Times? You know, I'm not sure what the intention of the piece was, but the thrust of it was that the American people uh, whatever worries they have about Trump, they sh- they can take heart that there are people around him who know that he's a menace um, and who are working to thwart his uh, worst policy ideas and to rein in his worst instincts. Um, and it, in talking to Republicans, uh, you know, nine senators on Capitol Hill and other Republicans in and around the White House, they really said. This was known implicitly, if not explicitly already. Obviously, Republicans on the Hill have worked to rein in Trump's uh, worst instincts since he was uh, inaugurated over, uh, you know, almost two years ago. But this op-ed is likely only to exacerbate um, his bad behavior and therefore to undermine the efforts to rein him in and really to be a counterproductive exercise. Yeah, you, 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 further those, you know, I'm not sure that that was the intention of the op-ed, but if it was to help the, you know, efforts to rein in Trump, it's, it's not going to do very much to help that. Yeah, you, you have a, a, a quote in your piece from a Republican close to the White House saying, what this president did is badly hurt the effort to rein in Trump, and it will make him crazy. Now, if you say to the president, I see where you're heading, but I'm not sure about that, he's going to think, ah, you wrote that. It, it, it does strike me that whoever wrote this clearly didn't game this out very well. I mean, unless, unless of course, the intention, which, I, you know, unless the intention was to drive him crazy and make him do something nuts, which... I right. think is uh, is going a little bit too far. They didn't game out the way that this is actually going to play in the real world. Yeah, I mean, it's paranoid people still have enemies, and I think Trump would not be wrong to think he's surrounded by many people who um, aren't truly loyal to him in the sense that, I mean, the guy did campaign on getting out of bad trade deals, and he's got aides who are uh, stealing documents on his desk that he's asked <laughs> Uh, to be written to pull the U.S. out of what he perceives to be bad trade deals. 
Yeah, the the several things struck me about that op-ed piece, including the fact that we really didn't learn anything new. I mean, this is the kind of thing that has been reported by, you know, by, by people who've been covering the White House for the last year and a half. It's going to be, you know, thoroughly documented in in the Woodward book. So all it really does is to is to feed into that paranoia, which, as you point out, is not completely unjustified at this point. So the president is going to be narrowing the circle of people that he trusts and that he listens to. And many of the people who may have actually, you use Paul Ryan's phrase, you know, averted tragedies, won't be able to do that anymore. So it's hard to know how things get any better as a result of this. I think that's exactly right. And many people are starting to ask if there's going to be uh, staff changes. And somebody said to me, if you wanted Corey Lewandowski to become chief of staff, this op-ed was a pretty good way to make that happen. I think the president's more likely to uh, get into a bunker mentality and, um, you know, engage in um, all the behaviors that people don't want him to. Yeah, if you want, if you want Judge Janine as Attorney General, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, if you want Sam Nunberg brought back as what uh, Director of National <laughs> Intelligence, um, I kid, but 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 you know, only a little bit here. Uh, the uh, the the Woodward book, of course, is dropping next week, and I think that that's going to have a more more of an impact uh, to the extent that anything has has an impact, uh, because you know. To the extent that there is anything like a gold standard in American journalism, he would certainly approach it. And uh, I, I think we've gotten a pretty fair, pretty fair uh, look at at what's in that book. Although my guess is that the the, the detail and the texture um, is, uh, is 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 going to be rather striking. So do, do, does do books like this at this point? Do, I suppose the question is: Does anything matter? I mean, does, it, does anything move any needles at all anymore? You know, it's a good question. This week seemed to me to potentially be a kind of tipping point because it, it wasn't, a, the, the op-ed wasn't an isolated event. It came, there were sort of three events, it seemed to me. The first was um, Trump's exile from the McCain funeral, which brought together sort of all of official Washington that he campaigned against. But much as Trump says he he revels in being kind of the odd man out, I don't actually think he does. I think it infuriated him. And then came uh, the excerpts from Woodward's book um, and the and the op-ed buttressed all of those excerpts. Uh, Gary Cohn swiping papers off Trump's desk, John Kelly saying the White House is crazy town and that it makes no sense to try to reason with the president. Jim Mattis saying uh, Trump is like a fifth or a sixth grader. And, you know, I question whether Mattis would have been stupid enough to say something like that out loud, but I have no doubt that that's what he believes. But then came the op-ed. And I think those three things taken together made explicit kind of what we knew implicitly, which was that the people around the president are constantly working uh, against him. And, and constantly alarmed by what they're seeing. Yeah. Yes. You know, are 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 doing that because the because of the president's character and his style and his his preparation um, alarmed them. And these are people who are in his own inner circle. Yes, and I, I all I would say is I think that took on just a more that became more public um, this this week and became sort of more embarrassing to the president than it ever had before and. The way that we, we may reach a turning point is that it may actually change sort of the coloration of the personnel in the White House. It may change Trump's behavior. 
Um, so I think, I don't know, it, will this matter, but, but it, I think it put it, the three things together could potentially, uh, cause some serious changes inside the white house. No, I think that's fair. Now you mentioned, you mentioned general Mattis, who is a, a key player in, in reassuring people on the outside that there are, you know, grownups in the room, which by the way, now seems to be an overused phrase. So if the the key question now is, does Donald Trump think that James Mattis said those things or thinks those things? Because, of course, we, we saw what happened to Rex Tillerson after the moron comment. There was a delayed reaction, but that was pretty much the end of of, of his tenure in office. And uh, th- there is uh, speculation out there that they're already looking for replacements for, for James Mattis, which would be uh, a troubling development in a troubling administration. Yeah. A couple of points on Mattis. Josh Rogan at the Washington Post reported that the White House was already drawing up a list of replacements for Mattis uh, before the publication of the excerpts in Woodward's book. And that's true. I think Trump had gotten the sense from Mattis that despite his nickname of Mad Dog Mattis, which Trump was absolutely enamored with, uh, during the transition, when he offered Mattis a job, Mattis is actually much more moderate in uh, temperament and in his views than um, than Trump realized. And in that sense, not really a fit with the broader thrust of the administration, even with people like Nikki Haley and others who are simply more hawkish than Mattis is. And Trump had begun calling him moderate dog Mattis. Um, and this is long before that comment. So I think the publication of that comment, Trump really seemed to, to revel in Mattis's denial of the remark. But, you know, he will have been in that job two years. And it seems like perhaps maybe a natural uh, cycling out point for him. And the thing I would say about DOD is that unlike some of these other positions, like the attorney general job, which Trump seems to have made a very difficult sell for anybody else to do because of the way he's treated Sessions. I think they could get somebody else to do the DOD job because he's more or less left Mattis uh, alone. Yeah, but it would be an interesting process. Uh, You know, there was a lot of speculation in the first 24 hours after this uh, this op-ed piece appeared that 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 the New York Times would not have published this unless it was a, you know, senior White House aide or perhaps a member of the cabinet my sense is that people are not that confident about that anymore um, and that the definition of senior official is pretty elastic. Uh, how, how many people does it does it cover? I, I've, I've, is, is it hundreds? Are we talking about hundreds of people possibly who could uh, be described that way? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, there were lists of people uh, who were Senate confirmed. Initially, people seemed to be confining it to uh, Senate confirmed people. And that that includes lots of people nobody's ever heard of. But there are lots of assistants to the president, deputy assistants to the president who might be considered senior officials who are not Senate confirmed. So, yes, it, it includes hundreds of officials. I think the question that we'd have to ask and that the Times wouldn't answer is, did they apply a higher bar for the publication of anonymous op-ed to senior official um, than, you know, lay people might for for publishing something so that's caused, you know, made such waves and that's so newsworthy. So what's the over under um, when we find out who it is? Because it is inevitable that we're going to learn the the identity of the anonymous author. So what within a week, within days, what do you think? You know, I'm not sure. I I, part of me wouldn't be surprised if the person uh, 
came forward and actually claimed authorship and resigned uh, their post in the Trump administration. That that would be a smart move, by the way. Right. And get actually, <laughs> make a lot of money, you know. Yeah. Get out before you are you're exposed so that 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 certainly could happen. Join the resistance. Well, to the extent there is a, res- a yeah, the 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 other question, of course, is, you know, how underwhelming will it be if it does turn out to be somebody that you never you, you never heard of? I mean, it would be embarrassing for The New York Times. Um, That's but- why I, I think it's quite possible that because The Times had to have factored this in. I, I don't think they would have published it if it was somebody who could claim to be a senior official, but who really, you know, very few people have ever heard of. Mm. So the the other big development over the last twenty four hours, or maybe a, the you know faux big development, is Rudy Giuliani is suggesting last night, big AP report uh, that uh, that the president had ruled out absolutely uh, answering even written questions for uh, the special the special prosecutors uh, in, in in investigation, but uh, he's now walking that back, which seems like another Rudy Giuliani self inflicted mess. Where are we at right now on that story? You know, I think we're still not quite sure simply because of Giuliani's responses seem to be shifting. First, uh, he seemed to say that he was not going to answer any questions, and then it was simply no questions related to obstruction. Um, So it it would make more sense to me if Giuliani was going to say that we're not going to answer written questions related to obstruction. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean— a couple of things about that that are extraordinary. I mean, that would possibly set off you know, an incredibly uh, dramatic confrontation, perhaps leading all the way to the Supreme Court. The timing, um, rather puzzling why he would drop that in the middle of the Kavanaugh hearings, you know, setting up that particular issue. Um, because, you know, you, um, imagine that the, the one case scenario you don't want is to have that story catching fire while the Kavanaugh hearings are going on exactly. right before the midterms, because, of course, um, you know, it's it's problematic how the U.S. Supreme Court would rule on the question of can the president be subpoenaed. Um, you know, the folks at Lawfare blog have written a very, very, I think, you know, even handed and balanced point uh, with that, you know, arguing this is not a slam dunk, but uh, the 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 smart money would be on Mueller winning that, uh, you know, given the precedents and, you know, in Nixon and uh, in Clinton versus Jones, it is not, you know, there are arguments against it. But to have that drama playing out over the next few weeks would, you know, to the extent that there is any strategic planning or or gaming out that's going on in the White House, which apparently not. Yeah, I was going to say the, the Giuliani remarks coming out on the the eve that Kavanaugh has finished testifying really suggests that even though the White House uh, recently got a new communications director, the former Fox News chief, Bill Shine, it does suggest that there's nobody who's overseeing uh, communication strategy in the White House from soup to nuts. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair analysis. Well, let's talk about the Kavanaugh hearing, because I think people on both sides of, of the aisle um, have come to relatively similar conclusions that this was not the U.S. Senate's finest moment. Uh, the Democrats, and you tell me whether you disagree with this, the Democrats realize they have you know slim or none chance, very slim chance of blocking you know Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation. So they've decided to go into complete political street theater. I'm not sure that that anyone thinks that this was a particularly edifying um, edifying show. 
I think that's right. It seemed to me that the Democrats more or less knew going in that uh, Kavanaugh's uh, confirmation was a given. And so they decided to use the hearings um, on the one hand to energize their base and suggest that they hadn't given up the fight, which they had. And on the other hand, to uh, gin up publicity for themselves around the uh, the 2020 campaign. Yeah, those are two separate issues. They they may, they may be re- related. I mean, I could certainly understand. Um, and let's face it, given the current rules and and, and alignments in American politics, you know, it, it's legitimate for folks to you know raise issues about uh, his his position on abortion rights, on voting rights, uh, on presidential powers, um, on on gay marriage, all of those things. But then you have the the the, the Kamala Harris and Cory Booker show. Um, let's start with Cory Booker, who went through this, uh, you know, histrionic display, the I am Spartacus moment where um, rather dramatically announced that he was going to be releasing classified emails, um, e- even at the risk of being expelled from the United States Senate. And then you had all of these other Democrats, you know, saying, you know, well, I, I want to be part of that as well, only to find out that these these emails had been cleared for release the night before. I mean, that was that was ludicrous and embarrassing. Yeah, that was funny to me. The other thing that was funny was that even in the coverage kind of in in the mainstream press, it was treated as as a failed attempt to to Mm -hmm. up publicity because I was watching the coverage on CNN, on MSNBC, and the 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 trick sort of didn't seem to land. Um, And the other thing that that really struck me was um, I can't recall whether it was it was Booker or another senator who released the email about Roe v. Wade, um, where Kavanaugh, it, it read to me really as a factual statement of the way uh, legal scholars would view the way the Supreme, whether the Supreme Court would treat Roe v. Wade as settled law. And there was sort of an attempt to suggest that Republicans and Kavanaugh were hiding the ball as to his real views. But uh, that sort of struck me. It was is it, if this is the best thing that Democrats have to uh, unveil at the last moment against him, he's going to be confirmed. Yeah, that was my take as well. Was you know, g- given the high stakes and the drama behind it, this is what this is the best you got that you you like, this this is your this is your A game that you're bringing here. And then, of course, you had the rather, again, strange exchange with, with Kamala Harris, who's also apparently running for president. Right. Yeah, so, she so, actually yeah. did uh, unveil the secret conversation yeah. to allude to that Kavanaugh had had with the Kasowitz lawyer. Yeah, and that was like, okay, you have something, right? I mean, this is pretty big stuff. And in the end, that sure. appears also <laughs> to have been a bluff. The night before his, his hearing. Yeah, well, exactly. So I, I, again, this is one of those moments where who knows whether it has any effect whatsoever. But um, I, I, I did think that the, the the Democrats did not cover themselves with glory, and I'm not saying that Republicans did either. Although Ben Sass, I thought, you know, had a did did stand out. Uh, his his remarks about the the balance of power between the courts and Congress and the executive branch, I thought, was thoughtful and in rather dramatic contrast. To some of this other this other show, showboating, so um, I don't think that anything has changed here. And again, I I certainly can understand, you know, how, you know, if if in fact uh, you, you know you believe 
that the Brett Kavanaugh is going to be the decisive vote to overturn Roe versus Wade, or you believe that he might re- reverse, you know, the gay marriage decision that you would be be opposed to him. Unfortunately, a lot of that seemed to have gotten lost by, you know, debates about document production. And one of the weirdest moments, I, I we talked about this on the podcast earlier this week, but I'm still slightly obsessed about how Everybody in America seems to be just losing their minds. I mean, it does seem like we're having this national nervous breakdown. And one of the examples of that was the the viral Twitter obsession uh, with Zena Bash. I'm remembering her name correctly, right? Because it's Zena Bash, young young attorney who um, was, you know, apparently had her hand in in an inappropriate way. What she had her her thumb and forefinger her, her thumb and forefinger were touching, which became this massive conspiracy theory that somehow she was flashing white power signs or white nationalist signs. And even this morning, it, just, it, it won't go away. I mean, the, the willingness of partisans in, in, in this particular moment in our history to believe the most batshit crazy conspiracy theories is really remarkable, isn't it? Or am I being naive? No, I think that's exactly right. And, and in many ways, Trump is a, a symptom He's both a symptom and a cause, I think, of of all of this, because he does succeed, I think, in driving the left totally crazy. Uh, and but that's also uh, something that he revels in doing um, was an explicit strategy of his and of Steve Bannon's to try to drive them crazy and then say, look how crazy they are. Well, if, if that is the strategy, they they had some successes this yeah. week, and I, I I will I will tell you I'm I've, I've become used to disillusionment, but there were a couple of people that I had uh, I had followed who I thought were doing reasonably intelligent and uh, and an in depth analysis of the Trump administration, and when I saw that they had completely bought in on all this the the Zena Bash you know sending you know coded messages type thing, I'm going okay so. No, obviously, <laughs> they were willing to set their credibility on fire over this sort of thing. But I guess it's part of this this moment where we hate the other side so much that we are willing to believe anything about them, no matter how, uh, how cartoonish. And even if it's not true, people seem to think, well, you know, maybe there's that that whole you know larger truth issue okay so maybe she didn't you know flash that sign but she works with Stephen Miller therefore which would suggest that the that the post truth era has uh, has really permeated our politics and we really saw that this week yeah the other thing that struck me about the hearings was to the extent to which they've become a forum for senators to draw attention to themselves and make speeches and uh, not for nominees to explain their views. I mean, Kavanaugh answered maybe one in 10 questions because um, the Bork precedent led to, you know, nominees don't answer questions. And I have, you know, you say what you will about Ben Sass. I mean, it, it may have been a good speech, but I don't really care what these senators have to say <laughs> right. about the senators. And every senator went on, on and on and on. And we essentially heard nothing from Kavanaugh in this hearing. Yeah, and and maybe they were they understood that since they they figured they weren't going to get anything from Kavanaugh, they might as well showboat. Right. They might as well make it all about them. But it was, it was not a great moment for the United States uh, Senate. No question about it. So what else? Do you we're we're now past the the Labor Day holiday. 
um, which means we're, we're we're heading into you know much much more intense midterm election campaigning. What are you what, what are you watching over the next week? What do you think we should keep our eye on? You know, I, the midterms I think are are they really are drawing close, and I've, I'm just paying attention to um, the talk of impeachment within the Democratic Party and. Um, Nancy Pelosi's attitude to it. I think there is a movement inside the party. I, I, I think one of her uh, biggest draws among Democratic donors and uh, the, the case she will make to remain as speaker is that she's uh, she's more moderate than the rest of the party and many of the stars who are um, being elected in these primaries, Ayanna Presley earlier this week, who will push for impeachment. And I think Pelosi thinks that's bad politics for the party. I mean, depending on what comes out in the Mueller report. And uh, come November, I think there will be a, an enormous internal struggle within the party over that. No, I think that that's, yeah, that, that's interesting. And of course, in Delaware last night, uh, the progressives failed to knock off a long-term incumbent Senator uh, Carper, um, although there was a lot of speculation that the that this uh, extreme blue wave might take him out. But apparently there are some limits to that. So, you know, these these things, these things are bouncing around. I mean, it, you know, you, you have the over the progressive victories in places like uh, in places like Georgia and New York, the ones you mentioned, uh, the California gubernatorial race. I'm sorry, uh, Florida gubernatorial race. I'm just, uh, I, you know, I, I keep wondering again whether or not, you know, how, how much more intense all of this can get. Now, today, the, one of the big stories is, you know, the jobs numbers, again, really impressive unemployment rate down to, you know, 3.9 percent. The wages appear to be rising. You know, on paper, Republicans ought to be running on, you know, it's happy, you know, happy days are here again. But that message just does not seem to break through. And the worst impediment in, in their messaging is the president of their own party, who will continually distract from that. Yeah, I think a lot of what we've seen is that uh, despite the strong economy and many of the other good signals, that can't drown out um, the president's megaphone, <laughs> and which is in all of the chaos that he is broadcasting from it. Yeah, and my my, my guess is that uh, the as as the Woodward book replaces the op-ed piece is the dominant. Well, it already sort of has, but that's not going away. It's you know it's worth remembering that that's not even released until next week. Who knows what the president is going to do? How far he's going to go in reaction to uh, all of that? Oh, you know, you 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 mentioned uh, the. The, the storm over impeachment. The, the the other indication that I think that America is having a nervous breakdown, and I felt this way for for some time, are are, the, are people like I'm sorry you pick on her, but Elizabeth Warren suggesting that it's time to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove the president. I mean, the 25th Amendment is 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 really a a fantasy and a fever dream um, for for folks. And I'm of course I think it's pretty clear I'm I'm, I'm a Trump skeptic. I'm I'm not a supporter of the president, but the notion. The notion that his own cabinet is going to take action against him, that Vice President Pence is going to take action against him, and that two-thirds of members of Congress would vote to remove him from office is, it's, no, not just fanciful. I mean, it's it's bizarrely delusional, and yet we have grown-ups in public talking about it. Yeah, I agree with that, and John Kerry was out there saying much the same thing this week. Um, yeah, in my view, I mean, 
And I, and I also don't agree with what many people are saying, that we're in the midst of a constitutional crisis and all that. I mean, the Constitution does have a, a solution for the situation that we're in, which is impeachment. And maybe that will happen. Maybe it won't. Um, I'm skeptical of that as well. But um, I think impeachment is far more likely than uh, the invocation of the 25th Amendment, which I agree with you is not going to happen. Are you confident that we won't have a government shutdown between now and the, and the midterms? The president seems to be backing off on that. I'm 80% confident. What's the 20%? 20% is that I think it, it's possible. Trump, uh, after he signed the omnibus in the winter, he was uh, he saw the coverage on Fox News that this was a bloated spending bill. He vowed not to do it again. He didn't get his wall funding and uh, combined with the negative news coverage was incensed. He wished that he wouldn't have signed it. And I think it's uh, it, if he starts to see coverage like that again, uh he may, he may refuse to sign it. You know, see, I, I agree with you. In the back of my mind, this is completely uninformed speculation. But going back to what we started off talking about, you know, the president's reaction to the op-ed and to the Woodward book is to, is to, you know, become more and more paranoid. If there's one thing that would be, you know, let Trump be Trump, uh, where he would, he would reject the advice of the grown-ups in, in the room, it might be on this issue. And if he feels he needs a major uh, dis distraction, this would certainly be it. And so I, I certainly can see this, and I, and I could certainly also imagine, you know, the uh, his supporters in, in the conservative media uh, rallying around him to have sort of something to get their, their hands around. But again, I, I, I think you're 20%. Maybe I would go to 25% on that, but who, who knows? Eliana, thanks so much for, for your time this morning. I appreciate it very much. We've been talking with Eliana Johnson, the White House correspondent for Politico. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back on Monday, and we'll do this all over again.